if you'd like to uh, uh, read the passage as I read it, there are Bibles at the back and at the side here. Um, And I'll be reading from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, and that's on page 1173 of our Bibles. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. There we go. If I can have my own welcome to that that Adam gave. My name is Jonathan G. I'm the vicar here. If you're here for the first time, you are very welcome. I don't know if it's just me, but I'm feeling a bit heavy this morning. Is it the atmosphere? It feels muggy. Everything feels a little bit tired. Would you mind just standing up, stretching around, saying, wake up to the person next to you, and then we'll pray, and then have a sit down? It may just be me, but um, there we go. Right, now let's sit down again. If you're feeling sleepy at the start of a sermon, it doesn't bode well, does it? So let's pray. Lord, if it's just me, wake me up. But if it's all of us, come by your spirit now. These glorious truths we're singing about and reading about, would you bring them alive to us? Thank you that you long for us uh, to know more of your love, more of your power, more of the hope you have for us. As we look at these glorious truths, come and energize us by your spirit. Speak through me, speak to us, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, When I was preparing this sermon series on St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, I came up with these titles. Uh, Today says, Empowered by the Spirit of Christ. That is absolutely where we're going. But a simpler title as I've prepared this would just be, There is more. There is more. However much God has done for you so far, there is more. None of us has got it all. There is more. Uh, And we'll have a look as we go through this prayer from St. Paul and see the sort of more that God wants us to have. I don't know if you know uh, the story of Oliver Twist or the musical Oliver. If you've gone to see it, I remember watching it all on telly ages ago when they were trying to find little Olivers and going to see that in London. Uh, But that classic moment in Oliver where Oliver in the workhouse 
there for the first time, surrounded by everybody who's downtrodden, has his bowl of gruel and comes forward and says, please, sir, can I have some more? Uh, and Mr. Bumble, whoever it is, goes, more, like that, as if, how dare you, child? Uh, the others aren't asking for more. They know they won't get any more. They don't expect any more. They don't ask for more. But Oliver's hungry, and he's coming for more. Now, Jesus said, if you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, uh, how much more will the Heavenly Father give? And we come to a Heavenly Father, and when we come asking him for more of his grace, more of his love, more of his power, he longs to give. Uh, the trouble is that we're surrounded by a world that tells us to look in the wrong direction for the stuff that will satisfy. The world that says you need more possessions to be happy. Now, we do need enough stuff. We need roofs over our head and food and money to pay the bills. But after that, more is not going to make us happier. We have more in our nation than we've ever had. And the happy, I don't know how they measure happiness, uh, but the, however they measure it, it's going down. Uh, that is not the answer. Uh, the government thinks that the answer to all our problems is the economy. Produce more and spend more and do more. So in our workplaces, produce more. Chatting with someone involved in a caring aspect of our society this week, telling me they had to care for more people with no more resources. And it gets exhausting. It reminded me of Pharaoh telling the Israelites, right, make the same number of bricks, but find your own straw as well. Uh, it's exhausting. Some people look for more in the pleasures of this world. Uh, this marvelous ministry of Battelle that we're celebrating today takes people addicted to alcohol and drugs. Initially, alcohol and drugs may seem to be something giving pleasure, but then the pleasure decreases as they get hold of you to the point of addiction where there's no real pleasure and life's a mess. And God has for you and for me the stuff that will make us genuinely happy and content inside. Outward circumstances often very difficult, but he has what we need to satisfy. So our passage today starts for this reason. So just a brief recap for those of you who weren't here last week. Last week we looked at the fact that God has blessed us in every way. This is verse 3 of chapter 1. We'll just pop that back up again. Chapter 1 verse 3. Uh, this was where we were last week. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Uh, all of us have different physical blessings. None of us have them all. But every Christian has all these blessings from God our Father. And we looked at five briefly. The fact that God has chosen us. That was verse 4. The fact that God's forgiven us. That was verse 7. The fact that he's adopted us into his family. He is our heavenly father. That was verse 5. The fact that God's revealed his plan to us in verse 9. This world is not just a, a, a random thing going on forever. It was started by God when he started the whole of creation. It will be, come to a natural end and be renewed by God when Jesus returns. And supremely that he's given us his Holy Spirit. That was where we were at the end of last week. Verses 13 and 14. You were marked in Christ with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. We thought about the fact the word deposit is the, arabone is the same as in modern Greek for an engagement ring. When people get engaged, it's a promise of more to come. And God gives us his spirit, but there's a, there's a sense of there is more to come. There's a whole inheritance to come until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That's where we were last week. 
Some of you are thinking, well, why didn't you do it in two minutes last week? But <laughs> there we are. I attempted to do a sermon on each one last week. We come to today, verse 15. There is a gap in our Bibles between verse 14 and verse 15. Uh, and there's often a gap in our experience between all those blessings that God has for us and actually how much we experience. And Paul is praying in the bit we're looking at today that we increasingly experience all these blessings that God has for us. They're in the heavenly realms, they're in Christ, they're available to us through faith in Christ. But we're never going to receive them unless we ask. If we're looking in the wrong places, we'll miss out on them. So Paul prays for more. Uh, three particular things we'll look at. I was reminded preparing this of the famous prayer that John Wimber used to pray, two-word prayer, more Lord. Whatever you're doing, please do more of it. If you don't know how to pray for someone, that's a great prayer. Lord, I've no idea what you're doing, but whatever you're doing, please do more of it because uh, God will be doing good stuff to us. So three particular things that Paul prays for more of. Here we are, verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better or you may know him more. Uh, I think I was very pleased with myself when I crafted the sermon series because we got to knowing the Father better on Father's Day. I thought that, that worked really nicely. Uh, but actually, I'm not going to preach primarily about the relationship with God the Father because there is so much more. But this is the first thing. Paul prays that God would give us more of his Holy Spirit to give us wisdom, but to reveal to us more of God's love so we can know God better. Now, any of you who are fathers, you long to know your children better. Uh, and God longs for us to know him better. And Paul prays that we would know him better. And that will come as daily we think, well, God wants to know me better. He's pouring out his spirit. Lord, please, will you help me to know you better? It doesn't come as we keep our eyes down and are surrounded by the values of the world pulling us away from God, try and chase more possessions or more productivity or more whatever it is. It comes as we consciously say to God, not just here on a Sunday, but day by day, Lord, will you give me more of your spirit so I can know you better? Uh, famously, when Jesus was baptized, the spirit came down on him afresh and he experienced the father saying to him, you are my son whom I love, I'm pleased with you. Uh, before he'd done any teaching, any healings, any miracles, he'd done lots of tables and chairs and ox yokes in the carpenter's workshop, but none of the ministry he came to do and God was pleased with him. And my prayer for us as a church is that God would pour his spirit on us today that you would know, that I would know, that you're his son, you're his daughter, and that he's pleased with you. Not because of what you do, but because of who you are. The same as any parent uh, wanting to love their child is delighted in them long before they've done anything. So that's the first thing Paul prays for more of, to know the Father better. Here's the second thing, verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. God has got so much more for us in store. This world is not all there is. Uh, in times in different cultures where life has been much harder and really difficult, Christians in those days have looked ahead 
to when Jesus returns far more. Think of the fantastic old Negro spirituals from a people downtrodden by slavery, lifting their eyes to when Jesus would return and sort things out. Because, by and large, in the West, our life is more comfortable, we forget to look ahead. We get bogged down in what there is now. And so Paul prays uh, that as God gives more of his Holy Spirit to them, not only would they know the Father better, but they'd know the hope to which he has called them. Now, we always think about this at Advent Sunday, but this is something to think about all the time. Uh, You may be at the stage where you're planning summer holidays and at the stage where you think, oh, they're not that far away. That's something really to look forward to. Uh, But the hope of glory is there to look forward to all the time. Uh, I've just been reading a superb book by John Eldridge called All Things New. I was going to bring it to Waybit, but we gave it to my in-laws as they go on off on holiday. They came for lunch on Thursday. Got any good books to read? So try this one. Uh, this, and it's fantastic. It's looking forward to that day when Jesus makes all things new. When I was growing up, people talked about, well, there's this life and then we die and go to heaven. But that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is when Jesus comes back and renews the heaven and the earth and all is made new and there's new heavens and new earth reunited. Uh, And that's part of the plan God has for us that we touched on last week. I'm loving a phrase that I'm just seeing a bit in the Bible that talks about the renewal of all things or the restoration of all things. Let me give you a couple of examples. Matthew 19, verse 28. uh, Jesus says to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne. Don't worry about the rest of the context. It's just a throwaway line that Jesus says. It's there understood by his disciples at that time that there will come a day when God renews all things. And in our day, I think the church has kind of forgotten that. We think there's this world, and then we go to heaven. And the danger of that is, well, we can't get our head around that. It certainly doesn't... The, the whole sort of ridiculous pictures of uh, sitting on clouds and playing harps forever and so on that just doesn't really, it doesn't float my boat, it may float yours. The Bible talks about this new creation, new heaven and new earth, that the renewal of all things. Or, or St. Peter mentions it in one of the early sermons in Acts, Acts chapter 3, verses 19 to 21. He tells the people, repent then and turn to God so your sins may be wiped out, that's for now, And times of refreshing may come from the Lord. We need that now. And that he may send the Messiah who's been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him. Jesus has ascended to heaven. Until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago. And I'm chasing this through the scriptures at the moment and hope to be able to preach freshly into it at Advent about how when Jesus returns, there is a renewal of all things. Everything that's good will be better. Everything that's bad will be gone. Uh, for those who've died before Jesus comes, the scriptures talk about that as sleep caught up in heaven with the worship of the angels. But when Jesus returns, it's the new heavens and the new earth, a renewal of all things. And it is a tremendous hope. I love reading John Eldridge. If you've never read him, I commend the book to you. He helps you feel in your heart the truth you believe in your head. And it's this looking forward to that great day when everything is put right. Now, if we don't have that hope in us, we won't look forward to it, and we won't long for it, and so we'll get bogged down in the things of the here and now. But the people who've done most for this world have often been the people who've sat lightest to it, 
Think of Wilberforce or the Clapham sect who did so much social renewal, but they were looking forward to when Jesus returned. They weren't bogged down in the things of this world. They could sit light to it and make a difference to it. So Paul prays that we would be given the Spirit so we know God better. We all want that. Not as much as God wants it. He wants to know us better. So that we, our eyes would be open to see this inheritance that's stored up for us. There is more to come. Uh, but the thing is, when we start living for all there is to come, it's really hard work trying to work for God's kingdom in this day and age where everybody's pulling the other way. So Paul prays for a third thing, and he prays that we would know God's power in our lives for all of this. So here's verse 19 and 20 of our passage, Ephesians 3, 19 and 20. Uh, that's, oh no, it's Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, my mistake. Uh, God's incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. I find that extraordinary. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you, changing your life. Now, sometimes I feel I hardly got the power to get out of bed in the morning, let alone the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, sometimes when the energy feels low, when it's muggy like we were feeling earlier today. Uh, we heard a little bit from that glorious testimony uh, earlier in Patel of a life transformed uh, we're here, another one at the second service, looking forward to that, and at tea time and this evening. But here is God's power to take a life that is downtrodden into glorious freedom. It's written all over your face as you gave us your story. It was lovely. God's power is at work in you, his mighty strength. Now, sometimes it is the strength at the start of a tough day to get you right through the day, staying true to him and not losing the plot. <laughs> Sometimes there's more than that, but his strength is there. It is available to us. The word power, dunamis, from which we get the word dynamite. There is tremendous power. When I was ordained, uh, the bishop says, he gives the charge for ordination, which is basically impossible. You have to do all the stuff that you can't do because only God can do it. So he says, so pray earnestly for more of his spirit. Put on the notice sheet. Pray for those being ordained. Adam will be, have his second ordination, his priesting, uh, Jonathan and Esther are being ordained deacon uh, in two weeks' time. Pray for them. But pray for each other that God would give us more of his spirit, that we know his power and his strength to do the things he's called us to do. Now, all this is right at the start of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. God has blessed us with every blessing. Paul prays for them to open their eyes to be open to that, so they're going for it. And throughout the letter... Paul just drops in more of this. So uh, without preaching sermons that are coming ahead too much, let's look ahead to chapter 3, verses 16 to 19. Uh, he prays that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's the same power he's just been praying in chapter 1. So Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Is there another verse there? There is, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, that even though it can't be known, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's an amazing prayer. We'll get there in a few weeks' time. But it's just a continuation of this prayer. 
May God fill you with his spirit, that you know him better, that you experience his love better, that you see the hope he's got for you, uh, that you're filled with his power. Uh, And if that's not enough, in the middle of chapter 5, he says this, Ephesians 5 and verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Many of you will know, because we preach this often enough, it's be filled and go on being filled daily. Now, when people are drunk, you can tell. Uh, They either slide quietly under the table or they get violent or they go around kissing everybody and saying they're their best friend. But you can tell. If we're full of God's Holy Spirit, people ought to be able to tell. It should make a difference. And the trouble is, a lot of us are sort of half full of Holy Spirit, but not much leaks out around. When we're really full, people will notice. We are to be filled and to go on being filled. And I've sometimes wondered, why is it that we pray to be filled so often and there's so little difference? And I think partly that is because we're still too full of ourselves. We need to be emptied of ourselves and all of our self-stuff to create space for God to fill with his spirit. If we're full of our self and our ambition and chasing more possessions and pleasures and all the rest of it, there's not much room for God to pour more spirit in. As we empty ourselves, then God, as it were, carves out channels he can fill with his spirit. A number of you, there's always a number of us going through tough times at any time. And when I'm going through tough times, I often think, God, where are you? Why can't you sort this out? But I'm beginning to see that during these tough times, God does carve out. He, He helps us be a bit more emptied of self so he can fill us more with his spirit. Uh, So just a few little things that for some of you, what you need to hear today is that there is more, start asking God. For others of you, you know that, but you need to repent of the self stuff that's getting in the way to make room for God. For most of us, it's a mixture of the two. The Holy Spirit is holy, and he won't come and fill us if we're doing all sorts of unholy things. So again, just looking ahead to some verses we'll get to in a few weeks' time. Ephesians 4 and verse 30, Paul says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Obviously, this was written as a letter. They would have had it all read out all at once. It wasn't designed to be read out in 10-verse chunks. We're just going through it. But the whole thing hangs together. Paul's praying for them to be filled with the Spirit more so they know God better, so they know his powers, they know the inheritance. But he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. We can grieve the Holy Spirit like we can grieve anybody else. By ignoring, by lying. There's a whole section in chapter 4 about getting rid of lying, getting rid of anger, uh, forgiving each other. Just a couple more verses in here. Just just for one or two, these will be particularly relevant. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. In your anger, do not sin. Stuff happens to us, which is wrong. We can be righteously angry, and that's okay, but we're pretty bad at that. Most of us, our anger turns to sinful anger and revenge and all of that. Paul says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, and don't give the devil a foothold. If we don't deal with the angry stuff, it gives the devil a little landing ground in us, and that's a place which the Holy Spirit can't fill. We need to get rid of that so there's room to be filled with Holy Spirit. 
Uh, he talks about forgiveness. Uh, just one more verse in this section, verse 32 of chapter 4. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And this is part and parcel of the same thing as being filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to get rid of all the stuff that gets in the way. Unforgiveness, anger, grieving the Holy Spirit. And we need to pray that God would fill us. It's how we come to faith in Jesus. It's repentance and faith. It's how we go on in faith. Uh, it's repenting of the bad stuff, trusting God to fill us with the good stuff. Uh, we'll cover all of these uh, in due course as we get to them. But at the end of the letter, we're reminded that we are in a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6, 10 to 13 uh, says this, if we can put up those. We've got Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. Perhaps I didn't highlight that one. Did I give you that, John? Sorry, John. Well, I'll just read that out to you. I usually highlight where I'm going for the poor projectionist who has to follow me along. Uh, just Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We don't fight against people. But against the authorities, the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The point is there's a spiritual battle going on. Uh, it rages through us. God is far greater than the evil one. We don't need to be afraid of him. But we mustn't give him any room in our lives either. And Paul is praying that we'd be filled with God's spirit. So for some of you, as I said, the word today is where you need to repent of the bad stuff to create room for more of God's spirit. For many of you, You've never really registered that there is more. You're thinking, well, this is all there is. Let's just sort of hang in there. There is far more. And Paul is praying that the eyes of our hearts will be opened so we know him better, so we know his power, so we know what he's planning for us, so we look forward to it. So how do we receive all of this? How do we receive more of God's Spirit so all of this can happen? Well, Jesus tells us to ask uh, Luke 11, verses 9 to 13. God is a good father. So Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks will receive. The one who seeks will find. The one who knocks the door will be opened. Six times Jesus says this will happen. If we want to emphasize something, we put it in bold. We underline it. If we're sending an email, we can make the text dance with lights. Uh, in Hebrew thinking, you just repeat it and you keep on repeating That's six times. And then verse 11, here's a good one for Father's Day. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Uh, none of you. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? God is the perfect Father. He longs to fill us with his Spirit. And he says, ask. And I hope you're beginning to get the sense that there is more, that God's got so much more for us, and we are to ask. I remember the first time I really heard this, registered this. Uh, I was a student. It was in the early days of John Wimber's ministry in the country. I hadn't been to here. I'd never heard of him. But some folks had been to one of his meetings and came back and brought, look, there's so much more that there is for us. And there was a meeting arranged for which we were invited to go to, a bit like a sort of alpha day, if you like. A, a speaker spoke well about God's fatherly love, that there's more of his spirit to be given, and invited us to stand 
and as it were, put our hands out, saying, Lord, we want to receive from you, and prayed that God would fill us with his spirit. And as that happened, some people started crying, and others started laughing, and some people fell over. And I stood there, as usually happens, uh, thinking, well, Lord, is this for everybody else and not me? And I didn't really feel very much at all. The next day, I had to drive quite a long drive up to East Anglia, and I got stuck in a traffic jam on the A12. And normally, I'd get a little bit of road rage after half an hour. I'm, I'm not the most patient in a car. And I noticed that after half an hour or so, I was just singing worship songs to the Lord quietly in my heart, and there was no frustration. I thought, oh, something really did happen. There was a miracle that happened. And I've learned that when the Holy Spirit comes on me, I'm a delayed reactor. You don't see for a bit. I'm a, a bit slow on the uptake, but maybe the next day you'll notice. Some of you, it's very obvious straight away. Uh, for some of us, we're delayed reactors. But when we ask for God to fill us with his Holy Spirit, he does it. That's what he does. And he comes to bring more of his fatherly love. He comes to show us he's got more for us. Look ahead. He comes to fill us with his power. So we are to ask to come to him. There's all sorts of verses in the scriptures where Jesus says, come to me. We won't go through them all now. I think it would be much better if we just stood and asked. So let's stand. We'll invite the band to come back. Perhaps as we stand, I'll just read these three verses from the heart of Paul's prayer, Ephesians 1, 17 to 19. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength which raised Jesus from the dead. And so it goes on. So, Heavenly Father, we bow before you on this Father's Day. We praise you that you are the great and glorious, perfect Father who loves us better than any of us have been loved by any of our earthly fathers. We thank you that you long for more for us. We praise you, Lord Jesus, that you came to die for our sins so we can be forgiven. We praise you that you are risen and ascended and glorified, that you're praying for us even now. We praise you that you pour out the Holy Spirit on those who come to you and ask. And so today we ask afresh, come Lord by your Holy Spirit on us together as a congregation, on us individually as your children and fill us afresh. And let's just keep still.